Jiminy Crickets. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow. Always getting in wrong for singing my song. A merry old soul am I. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'll be hanging around this evening. I'll be tipping my hat and telling you that Jiminy Cricket is the name. Hello, Cricketeers. We're back. We took a week off for Thanksgiving, and I went away to see my family in Maryland. And Ruthie, what did you do for Thanksgiving? I just stayed at home and had a low-key Thanksgiving, which is the way I like it. That's the way I like it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not the one I had this year. Aw. But, uh... That is why we had no show last week, but we're back. And this week, we're going to be talking about a themed land in Disneyland that January of this year celebrated its 25th anniversary. And that is Mickey's Toontown, which opened in January of 1993. So we thought before the year ends and why we're still in the anniversary year, it's a good time to talk about Ruthie and I's one of our favorite areas in Disneyland. And we're also going to do some armchair imagineering. And we're going to do a Mickey Mouse short, a commentary like we've done before. I wanted to mention that we did a commentary on a cartoon for our last episode and we had it all planned out like this is something we planned we had it all like scheduled and arranged so that we would specifically watch this short on that episode and that was Steamboat Willie because our last episode was a tribute to Mickey's 90th birthday so of course we wanted to include Steamboat Willie However, YouTube did not appreciate our efforts. (laughs) (laughs) So unless unless you watched us live, uh, you did not get to see our commentary or hear our commentary of Steamboat Willie because YouTube took down our entire episode because we showed Steamboat Willie. Even though if I were to take it to court, um, we would... It was fair use because we did a commentary uh, and that's considered a transformative work. That's a review of something. So, I mean, technically we were allowed legally to do what we did, but YouTube is just, you know, a little overly cautious about these things. So I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but that is why as we're going through the Mickey Mouse shorts in chronological order, you will notice that we skipped over Steamboat Willie because we really didn't. It's just that YouTube took down our video. I had to actually remove that part of the episode and then they let me post the show again. So that is the story behind that. (laughs) No Steamboat Willie for you! (laughs) 
So. <laughs> They're the, the Mickey shorts, you know, uh, Nazis so, there, quote unquote. Yeah, so <laughs> I actually posted on my other private YouTube channel the short we're going to watch today to make sure YouTube didn't get angry with me first. So I've already tested it. So hopefully, I mean, it didn't take it down the first two we did, or it didn't take down when we did the skeleton dance. I so. know. Hopefully, I think Steamboat Willie is kind of, they consider it like their holy grail thing. So they're more particular about it. But from now on, before we do a commentary, I'm going to do that. I'm going to test it first to make sure that it's not going to... And the, and the ironic thing about it is Steamboat Willie is posted on YouTube. The hmm. whole cartoon is already on YouTube. However, Disney posted it. So obviously they're allowed to post it, but I'm not. So um. anyway. <laughs> so... Before we get on with the show, we wanted to do a little housekeeping. And first of all, we um, decided to do the show an hour earlier going forward. That's why we're beginning an hour earlier today. So hopefully enough people got the word that we're starting early today. Um, and they'll join us for the live show. If they haven't yet, they'll soon log in to YouTube. And... Um, it's because we have been going way too late, and by the end of the episode, we seem to be losing part of our audience. So, we decided it might be better to try doing it an hour earlier. If anybody has any feedback on that, please let us know what your preferences are. Um, we're also going to not try to put as much into an episode. We're going to not try to squeeze so many segments into a single episode. And the way we're going to accomplish that going forward, starting with this show, is we're going to either make it a news episode or a down the rabbit hole episode. And the Twix shall never meet. So that means that um, we're either going to do a news segment or a down the rabbit hole segment, and we're not going to do both of those in the same show. So hopefully that will keep the shows shorter. Our original plan was for these to be about 90 minutes. We've been running about an hour over every week. Yeah. I think the first episode we did was exactly 90 minutes. And then mm -hmm. every episode after that, we just went too long. So um, we feel that uh, that way we can also do a lot more news. When we do the news, we can cover more than just three stories. We can do a full news show. Mm -hmm. So... Our first news show will be in January um, because the next two shows we already sort of have planned out. When I say two shows, that includes this one. We're only going to do two more shows for this year, then we're going to take a little time off for the holidays. And we'll be coming back in January with a news update show. But uh, the next show will be two weeks from tonight at the same time, and it'll be a very special holiday show. And we'll talk about all sorts of different Christmas time things. So be sure to join us for that. And we also are going to be doing one more uh, pre-recorded, edited show of our regular Jiminy Crickets podcast. Um, and it ties into the theme of this show. And that's going to be about the 25th anniversary. Or I'm sorry, in this case, it's the 30th anniversary 
of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the original film. And we're going to do a whole episode about that, which is going to be released right after Christmas, but before January. So the week between Christmas and New Year's, you can expect to see that episode come out. A tribute to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I thought we should mention that now because it sort of ties into the topic that we're doing today. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is that we're only going to be doing one edited show a month going forward. Um, It's just become too much to do two live shows and two edited shows a month. And so to keep our workload a little bit more reasonable, we'll still be doing two live shows, but we're only going to do one of our edited regular Jiminy Cricket episodes a month in 2019. But... In addition to those, we will have a few bonus episodes of the pre-recorded show, which will be all music episodes, because those are really easy to record and very quick to edit. So it's really no work for me. So we'll intersperse a few of those throughout the year, so you can look for those as well. And um, we've already kind of planned out our whole schedule for the... um, 2019 regular non-live Jiminy Crickets. We have a lot of great topics planned for next year. And so we're really looking forward to bringing those to you. So if you haven't checked out our regular show, be sure to do that. Is there anything I forgot to mention, Ruthie, before we move on? I think that's good. Nothing that I can think of. Right. Well, before we... Oh, there was one other thing. (laughs) I just remembered. Normally we do our little um like opening topic at the beginning of the show like in past shows we've done the the top 10 countdown and we've done trivia and different things like that for this show we're going to kind of break the rules this isn't going to be the normal thing but just for this show we're going to do that segment at the end of the show instead because it sort of ties into the main topic during the Down the Rabbit Hole, and it just kind of works better to talk about that after the main topic. You'll find out why when we get to it, so be sure to stay to the end and watch our Armchair Imagineering segment. But before we get to any of that, we have a very special announcement. Jiminy Crickets Live proudly endorses Concierge Vacation Planners, a Disney-authorized specialty vacation planning service. Concierge doesn't just book your trip, they walk you through the entire process, helping you plan out every detail, one-on-one, to make the very most out of your vacation while saving you both time and money. And the best part is, they charge nothing for their services. You will get the exact same pricing as if you booked your vacation directly through Disney. But in using Concierge's expertise, you've got the added bonus of having your very own personal Disney Guru Planner by your side. Both Ruthie and I are also satisfied customers, and we just can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at www.concierge.com. That's www.concierz.com, as in mouse ears. So when you book your next Disney vacation, be it Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, or many of the other Disney destinations available worldwide, contact Concierge Vacation Planners 
and be sure to tell them Disney Chris sent you. Well, here we are at the barn dance. This is the fourth Mickey Mouse cartoon made. However, it's the third released. (laughs) (laughs) Because Plain Crazy, the sound version, was not released until after this, oddly enough. So, Steamboat Willie, Gallopin' Gaucho... Uh, Barn Dance and then Plane Crazy was the order they were released theatrically but this is the fourth one made so that's why we're watching it fourth and um, this one has some very unique things about it well first of all Ruthie and I had a little discussion earlier about whether or not that horse is is Horace Horse Collar and um, Disney says no. We looked it up, and they're saying Horace made his first appearance later in 1929 in a short cord called The Plowboy, but Ruthie and I thought that that looked exactly like Horace. We even looked at The Plowboy and compared, and the horses looked nearly the same. So unofficially, I, we're going to say this is the first appearance of Horace Horace, Horace Collar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's the parrot from the Steamboat Willie. That's the same parrot from Steamboat Willie, only it's huge. It's as big as yes. Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> and Minnie is still wearing her weird circle bra or whatever yes. that is. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I noticed is uh, if you've seen the most recent Mickey short, which was based on the shorts from this time period, it was kind of a spoof on them. Um, uh, get a horse, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The look of Peg Leg Pete, and he doesn't have a peg leg in this cartoon, and the car that he's driving, and a lot of the scenery during this. Oh, there's, this is kind of a two act cartoon. This opening act seems very much like what um, influenced that uh, get a horse short mm-hmm. from tw- what year was that? 2014? I think so. Um, yeah, something somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think this was kind of the inspiration for that. So I also noticed um, when I watched, I watched it three times to prepare, and one thing I noticed was Mickey and Minnie are pretty blatantly getting it on in this. <laughs> like that seems a little. I don't know, but it just seems a little like risque for 1929 they're really like making out here yeah she's not slapping (laughs) him on the cheek in this one yeah she's perfectly (laughs) willing participant yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that (laughs) noise is so like it's like scratches on a chalkboard oh yeah so here's an utterly ridiculous opening to the (laughs) next scene this is kind of the second half of this little little two-act play here and they're at the barn dance 
The other thing we noticed is Minnie is kind of not her nor- Like, the the personalities are a little different. Mm -hmm. Minnie is, like, for really- them, yeah. For both of them, Minnie is very superficial. Like, she wants to go with Pete because he has a, night, a car, and he she doesn't want to go with Mickey because he just has a horse and buggy. That's not normal for her. Like, she's normally not that superficial. And it sort of reminds me of how Olive Oil is in the Popeye shorts. She was very superficial and always went with Bluto in the beginning. And then at the end, she realizes she was wrong and she should have gone with Popeye. But it's not exactly how this plays out in this short. But it just kind of reminded me of Olive Oil's personality. Yeah, very this, similar. The gags in this are really extreme, too. Like, the huge shoes. Mm-hmm. His face turning into a donkey. She's cutting her leg with cutting scissors. Cutting her leg, yeah. <laughs> like, they go really, really, like, bizarre. Bizarreville in this short yeah. on a couple yeah. things. I mean, no Mickey Mouse shorts are based on reality, but this one goes even beyond the normal... Like what expectations of reality in a mm -hmm. in a Mickey short, so it's kind of unique in that way too. Um, the big shoe thing kind of throws me off quite a bit. <laughs> and that was it, a pretty big donkey head that yeah, he had. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is Pete really isn't that mean in this short, mm -hmm. um, and Minnie is a willing, like. He doesn't, like, abduct her. Like, she's perfectly willing to be with Pete, you know? Because yeah. Mickey is a lousy dancer, so... So, I mean, there's just a lot of odd things in this short that don't make sense for the... the rest of the Mickey shorts that came after, and even came before this, so... Yeah, the characters that we know and love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Pete and Gallopin' Gaucho was much more the Pete we know, you know, mm -hmm. the evil character. And even in Steamboat Willie, he was much more... I mean, he didn't really have any dealings with Minnie, but he was still mean, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Minnie seems very, like, uh, kind of selfish in this cartoon yeah because she just wants to dance with the person who dances well yeah well i don't blame her for not wanting her feet stepped on right i mean i can understand that but <laughs> he so definitely he wasn't doing it on purpose poor mickey takes off his garter <laughs> and shoots a thumbtack to pop the balloon and now minnie's just had enough she's she's <laughs> done and she sees the balloon. And this is the really bizarre thing about the short. Yeah. Pete wins. Yeah, and, and Mickey, Mickey loses. Crying. Yeah, you never Mickey. see him lose to Pete. I think this might be the only time. Yeah. <laughs> My, what a peculiar place to have a party. You know, Dino, we really shouldn't. Be doing this. After all, curiosity often leads to trouble.
November 17, 1930, that globe-trotting Mickey Mouse, star of Steamboat Willie, takes a break from his travels to celebrate his birthday by picking out a new home site in Anaheim, California, far from the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. Immediately, construction begins on what will become the exclusive enclave for the finest penned personalities. Amid the noise and clatter of steam shovels, hammers and saws, the inked Imagineers' dreams begin to take shape, and Mickey's Toontown slowly rises from the orange grove. As his house nears completion, Mickey, with some help from his friends, packs it in and heads off for the new secret suburb. Word gets out to other animated actors, and Mickey's Toontown starts to draw the top of the tune. Lovely Minnie Mouse cooks up some off-screen fun and proves that home is where the heart is. Goofy designs a rambling retreat. Ah, the best laid plans of mice and men. Chip and Dale go out on a limb. And with a little help from his friends, Donald Duck drops anchor in Toon Lake and builds the Miss Daisy. Glamorous Gadget says choose to reuse and proves her rigorous recycling does more than just take people for a ride. Go, Gadget, go! 1954. Walt Disney, Mickey's pen pal and a frequent Toontown visitor, unveils plans for a big amusement park adjacent to the Toon's secret city. At Mickey's request, Walt promises to keep the entrance to Toontown hidden from non-Toon guests to his new Disneyland. Disneyland is soon completed, and the finished park is a convenient short commute for the Toons living next door. Side by side, Disneyland and Mickey's Toontown, sharing the fun, but keeping the secret. Disneyland, you've seen Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Tomorrowland. Now here's a whole new land you've never seen before. Hey! Let me show you around. Dig this crazy town. The Mickey's Two Town opens January 26th. For the first time in over 20 years, a new land has been opened at Disneyland. It's Mickey's Toontown, home to Mickey Mouse and his friends Donald Duck, Goofy, Chip and Dale, Roger Rabbit, Minnie Mouse, and the rest of his cartoon pals. According to Disneyland legend, Mickey and his friends built this secret hideaway in the 1930s exclusively for Disney Toons and have allowed no one other than fellow Toons and Walt Disney himself inside of its gates, that is until now. I hereby declare all of us present as honorary citizens of Toontown. You may kiss the city. Congratulations. Taking part in the fun and excitement of the three-day celebration marking the official opening of Toontown to the public were some of Hollywood's biggest stars and their families. And by the look on their faces while inside Toontown, it's a sure bet to say the visit was well worth the wait. It was great. What makes Toontown special and different from anything else is its interactive nature. For the first time, we're inviting people into Toontown, and they get to become a cartoon character. We're asking them to actively participate. And downtown Toontown is certainly interactive, where kids can even chat with a talking mailbox. Do I look like a mailbox or something? Everywhere you go, 
and everything you look at in Mickey's Toontown resembles a cartoon. Oh, this is uh, absolutely fabulous. You know, it's about time the, the tunes got their own place, of course. And uh, it's the town I've known Mickey lived in ever since I was a little kid. So, you know, it's uh, really nice to see it finally open. Mickey's Toontown, now open to tunes and honorary tunes of all ages. Spinning, swerving, sliding, and it never stops. Well, almost never. It's the new Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin in Mickey's Toontown. You're in control. You're out of control. But can you escape the dreaded dip? <laughs> Head for Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. You at Disneyland. And step on it. Well, my first question is... What does a punk rock band have to do with Christmas? And second of all, what does it have to do with Germany? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've been we've been watching what you've been saying in the Chris and Brian. We're we're eavesdropping on your chat. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, we're paying attention to our audience. Yes. <laughs> so, um. Here is a map of Toontown, illustrated, beautifully illustrated map, showing all the different fun features of this uh, wacky cartoon village. And we're going to talk about, not just take you on a tour of Toontown, but we're going to kind of talk about what led up to Toontown as we know it today what its origin story is, what led up to it, earlier incarnations of what eventually evolved into Mickey's Toontown. And we might even talk about a little bit about the future of Mickey's Toontown. So let's start off with what really was the very beginning of what Toontown is. And that's the movie who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came out in 1988, summer of 88. And when it came out, it actually premiered in Hollywood at this huge theater, and I think it's still there, called the Cinerama Dome. Oh and, yeah, I think that is still there, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a huge screen, and it's like a, almost a stadium-sized theater. And my dad was living, at the time, walking distance from that theater. And I went to, you know, I was, you know, the typical divorced kid. And, you know, my parents were divorced, so I went to go visit with my dad every other weekend. So the weekend that came out, I was one of my weekends with my dad. So my dad, my stepmother, and I all walked down there and got in this really long line and watched it at the Cinema Dome. So what was interesting about watching the film there is there were a lot of inside jokes in the movie about life in Los Angeles, kind of poking fun at the, you know, what it's like to live in LA and stuff like that. So that was like directly aimed at the audience that we were with. So the audience was all into this movie and it was just an amazing experience to see it that way. Anyway, that aside, 
There's a whole segment in the middle of the movie that takes place in a fantasy world called Toontown, where all the cartoons live. And they have a whole sequence with Eddie Valiant trying to find Jessica Rabbit. And he thinks that this certain individual is Jessica Rabbit, and it turns out it's actually... What's that character's name? Lena Hyena. Yeah, a Mayan! <laughs> and the whole thing, you know. And then um, he he's hanging from a flagpole, and Tweety Bird's, Oh, little pities! And he, this little pity! <laughs> and he falls. And as he's falling, Mickey and Bugs Bunny are in a parachute. And then there's the funny scene with... Um, Droopy the dog in the elevator. The elevator, yes. Step right in, <laughs> sir. <laughs> One floor, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, it's a very memorable scene from a very memorable movie. And just ripe for the Disney parks. I mean, just filled with stuff that would just fit right into the fantasy world of a Disney theme park. So, naturally... With the big success of this movie, Michael Eisner and other people at Disney and Imagineers were very excited to get these ideas into the parks. And so it was sort of a slow process, but it eventually did happen. Meanwhile, at the same time, a little thing was happening called Mickey's 60th birthday and they premiered a brand new themed area in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom called Mickey's Birthday Land. So this was actually located where today you'll find um, the Dumbo Circus area. Originally this was closed off. It was, you know, there was nothing back there. Autopia, or it's called Grand Prix back, it's not, it's Autopia in California. Grand Prix was a little bit wider, and there was no pathway leading behind it, so they shortened it a little bit, made a pathway, opened up an area, and created this whole area behind 20,000 Leagues and behind Grand Prix, and they actually had just a few months to throw this area together right Ruthie so yeah. the Imagineers were busy working on Disney uh, MGM Studios which was like in the midst of it I mean they were like that's all they had nobody no time no no people to spare this was like hard crunch to get Disney MGM open which opened mm -hmm. a year later and so they originally Imagineers came up with this really big concept based on Roger Rabbit, but they didn't have time or budget to include it in. They originally planned to put it in Hollywood Studio or then MGM Studio, but they didn't have the time or money. And originally they wanted to have this open when the park opened. So instead they just said they 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 said, well, we'll just wait till maybe a year after the park and then put it in there. But then, merchandising and entertainment in the parks wanted to do something big to celebrate Mickey's 60th birthday. So they threw together this concept and they had to hire outside contractors and basically Imagineering had very little to do with this 
Um, and it basically was just some circus, big, huge circus tents and some fake flat facades painted in pretty <laughs> colors meant to represent Duckburg. And then the big feature was they actually built a house and you would go inside and it was Mickey's house. It wasn't quite as cartoony. The lines of the house were straight. Everything inside the house, for the most part, looked pretty, you know, it had a bed that was Mickey's bed with big yellow shoes, but it was just sort of more, it wasn't as wackadoo as the as Toontown's version would eventually become. So, Mickey's house was kind of the big thing. And then the other big thing is after you went in through Mickey's house, you went behind into a big tent and they had a big 25 minute live birthday show inside the big tent. And then as you left the tent, they had a meet and greet opportunity with Mickey. And this was the very first meet and greet in a Disney park. They had never tried this before where you they had a character in a stationary area and you went and you stood in line to meet the character rather than having a character walk around and you just randomly happened to bump into him for Mickey's 60th birthday everybody who wanted to see Mickey could go see Mickey and not only that they had two separate rooms so the line would go faster so they actually had two Mickeys and they set it up in a clever way so nobody would ever be able to tell that there were two Mickeys. They had hallways that wrapped around so so they came up with that whole idea which they're still using today for specific meet and greet locations. Another interesting thing they had was uh, Mickey Moo which was a cow with a Mickey Mouse symbol on its side. <laughs> which was saved from the slaughterhouse because it was fortunate enough to have Mickey Mouse <laughs> on its side. Somebody said, wait, that looks like Mickey. <laughs> yeah. So they had a little petting farm area called Grandma Duck's Petting Farm, and that's where he was. And then you could pet goats and different, or she was, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, there are no male cows. <laughs> um, and... They had um, all sorts of different photo opportunities and a gift shop inside another tent. Very basic, thrown together, yet very popular. People loved this because mm -hmm. it was the first time you ever could go to Mickey's house or walk around a cartoon area in the Disney parks. It was something they had never thought of before. And the area, the town that this was actually supposed to be set in was Duckburg, which is the same town where DuckTales takes place, which had premiered just a year before. It was a very popular cartoon on TV. They had a very small little Donald's houseboat that you could take your picture in front of. Not as elaborate as what you'd find today. But I mean, this, you can definitely tell, Mickey's Birthday Land definitely is something that influenced what eventually became Toontown. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ruthie. No, it definitely was a huge influence. Yeah. So, even though there's not much Roger Rabbit in it, a lot of what 
became Toontown was originated in Mickey's Birthday Land. So popular was Mickey's Birthday Land that it kind of lasted longer than his birthday. And um, finally, in 1990, they decided, well, his birthday was two years ago, so we can't be calling it Mickey's Birthday Land anymore. So they just slapped a new sign on the on everything and changed the name <laughs> to Mickey's Starland. But they really in 1990 and but they really didn't change much other than that. I mean, mm-hmm. they they the other big thing that was changed is the live show was changed. It was no longer Mickey's birthday surprise. It was some sort of like a show featuring the dif- different Disney afternoon characters. And you'll see in this picture all the different Disney app. You've got Launchpad and the DuckTales characters, and then you've got the Chippendale Rescue Rangers characters. So they were all involved in the live show that replaced the original Mickey's Birthday Land. But other than that, it was the same thing. And that lasted until um, the, the mid-90s. It didn't change. This temporary thing thrown together in less than a year lasted for almost a decade unchanged which is crazy it was Mm -hmm. because it was so popular with guests guests loved this area meanwhile on the other side of the united states (laughs) (laughs) in 1991 um disney did a special overlay of the small world mall area the area that leads from the Matterhorn to the It's a Small World attraction. Um, and this was called Disney Afternoon Avenue Live. Or just <laughs> a lot of people just call it Afternoon Avenue. And this took a lot of its um, inspiration from Mickey's Birthday Land, a.k.a. Starland, in the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Because, again, all the buildings and everything they set up, these facades and whatnot, were all themed to Duckburg and were kind of like cartoony-like buildings. And they had all different photo opportunities. They had the bars that you would later find in Toontown where it looks like you're in jail and you can bend the bars and take a picture. They later added that feature to Toontown. Um, And then the other thing that's kind of ties into Toontown is by this point Toontown had already broken ground and it was already being constructed when Afternoon Avenue opened so they in anticipation of Mickey's Toontown they had already reconstructed a little part of the Disneyland Railroad and they added in a brand new bridge between the Videopolis Theater and It's a Small World, which would eventually become the entrance to Toontown. So the bridge was completed in 1991, and they built a temporary building right on the other side of the bridge to hide the construction going on for Toontown. And inside that temporary building was Disney's second meet and greet permanent location and this was called Baloo's dressing room there was a live show at Videopolis based on the tailspin uh, characters called plain crazy 
um, and not related to the Mickey short. And I know it's confusing. But anyway, <laughs> they had um, a opportunity to meet Baloo in his dressing room inside this kind of, it kind of looked like a warehouse or like a studio type structure temporarily placed there eventually would be demolished and that would eventually become see what happened in 1995 to the premiere of the movie toy story so they plan to completely refurbish this area and make it much more of a permanent area they got rid of all of those flat they figured there can't be two toon towns so this is going to be Toontown Fair, and this is going to be where the Disney characters go on vacation and the countryside. So it was all themed to, like, the country house of Minnie and the country house of Mickey. and it, So they weren't competing with the Disneyland. But to be honest, my feeling is it was an excuse to not have to spend all the money to build a fully-fledged Toontown. Mm-hmm. I think that was more of a... I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was working in the uh, Magic Kingdom the year that Mickey's Toontown Fair opened. So I was there right when it premiered. And I also saw it being built. So I have some memories of this area. First of all, they added a new bathroom area, which was Pete's Garage, sort of based on a similar area in Toontown. They built a full size Donald Duck boat. Which you could go inside. They added a Minnie Mouse house. Her country house. They demolished the original Mickey house. And built a brand new one. Which was much more themed and more cartoony looking. And they added a brand new attraction called um, Goofy's Flight School. Is that what it was called Ruthie? Or is that... Isn't it Barnstormer? Barnstormer. It's Goofy's Flight School in California Adventure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is basically just, you know, an off-the-shelf roller coaster with a little bit of theming, um, which I'm not always very excited about. But this actually still exists as the Great Goofini. They didn't get rid of that attraction when they built uh, Dumbo Circus. So this was sort of a sequel to Mickey's Toontown in California, but it's definitely worth mentioning because it's got a lot of the same things. It, it, you know, Donald's boat, Mickey's house, Minnie's house. These are all things you'll find in the California version. So, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about... So, let's go back to, like, them planning on putting Roger Rabbit stuff in the parks. And so the original idea, like I said, was to put a... Um, Roger Rabbit themed area in the MGM studio because the film was such a hit and because it was just a no-brainer because of just how well that would fit into a Disney park so especially the studios because it's especially like Hollywood the studio. and a lot yeah. of the stuff that was in the studio when it first opened was Roger Rabbit inspired to begin with they had like mm -hmm. an Acme warehouse that was kind of a gift shop they had like that uh that window where roger rabbit crashed through the blinds they actually mm -hmm. had the actual dip mobile prop from the movie was there there was already roger rabbit stuff galore in the original park so um this 
the, originally the area that is now Sunset Boulevard, they planned to turn that into an area that would have been called Roger Rabbit's Hollywood. Or it was also another working title was Maroon Studios, which was based on the cartoon R.K. Maroon from the movie. Um, if you haven't seen the movie in a while, you might not recognize that reference. But, um, so this was like something that was like definitely going to happen and they promoted it. You're looking here at some of the artwork for different attractions. But in 1990, Michael Eisner announced something he was going to call, well, he was calling the Disney decade. And he planned on the 90s being the like big decade for Disney. And it really was, but a lot of the things that he announced in 1990 never happened. A lot of other great things happened, but none of the things he talked about. <laughs> <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the version in Disneyland, which is going to be very similar to the version in uh, Florida, was going to be called Hollywood Land. And it was going to be located behind Main Street and Tomorrowland. That infamous area that they always say they're going to put something there. And it's been right. 60, almost 65 years and they still haven't put anything back there. No um, Liberty Street, no, no Edison Square, right, none of it. <laughs> right. So Hollywood Land was going to be basically a kind of a bridged version of what they were planning on doing in Florida. And it was going to include the, the same attractions. There were three attractions, all sort of e-ticket attractions, that were being planned for this uh, themed area. Um, and two were based on the Toontown sequence from the Roger Rabbit original feature-length movie. And then a third attraction was going to be based on the uh, Roger Rabbit short subject, which came out a year after the movie, called Tummy Trouble. So let me briefly explain what those attractions were, if you're interested, Ruthie. Yes, uh, Benny I the am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's why everybody's here. So, uh, <laughs> Benny, Benny the Cab was one of a working title for one of the attractions, and it sounds like a familiar thing because this actually is exactly what evolved into Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. So out of the three attractions, this one actually did happen, um, more or less. It, it, you know, changes were made and it evolved over time, but it was kind of the same concept. It was going to be a ride through, dark ride attraction through Toontown with three-dimensional sets. The other attraction, which sounds very interesting, which would have been based on the original feature film, was called Toontown Trolley. Now, this is not the Jolly Trolley. This was actually an indoor simulator attraction where you got into a vehicle that looked like a trolley and it had screens in front of you and it was a simulator ride through Toontown. It sort of reminds me of um, the... Amazing World of Hanna-Barbera attraction, I think, that opened in Universal Studios, where you kind of, it was a simulator through an animated world. 
I think that's sort of what they were planning for this, but you would go through Toontown. And mm. that sounds like it would be pretty interesting. And yeah. especially because you're in a trolley car, which is kind of an open-air vehicle, so I'm not sure how they were planning on surrounding you in all this, so it looked mm-hmm. real. And the other thing is they were going to have an audio animatronic of Roger Rabbit driving the trolley. Oh you know, sort of how <laughs> Rex did in yeah. Star Tours, they would have had That's a Roger Rabbit. That's actually what I was picturing when you're yeah. describing it as Star Tours. Right. So now the third attraction, which sounds amazing, they all sound amazing, and it's too bad only one of them got built, but the third one was going to be called Baby Herman's Runaway Baby Buggy Ride. Say that ten times fast. (laughs) And this was based again on the 1989 follow-up Roger Rabbit cartoon, Tummy Trouble. And if you've seen that short, you'll know that it was set in a hospital. So this whole attraction would have been set in like a wacky cartoon hospital. And it was going to be kind of a marriage between a roller coaster and a dark ride. It was going to be an indoor roller coaster on a baby buggy through a cartoon hospital with all sorts of wacky cartoon things happening. But you're, it's a scary ride, like it's a thrill ride, but lots of indoor sets and things to see. Now that sounds like a terrific ride. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that never happened. But it also seems very kind of random, like a hospital in a Disney park. Like, is that really what we want to (laughs) see? But so why did none of this ever happen as originally planned? There's it's not really explained officially by Disney. But those who study Disney, like myself, we have two speculative ideas as to why this never happened and one of the main reasons it never happened is because of the financial failure initially of Euro Disneyland which sort of put the axe on a bunch of Disney projects that were planned for the 90s if Euro Disneyland had been a smashing success can you imagine Mm. all of that stuff that got cancelled would have gotten done we would have had a great America theme park Disney's mm-hmm. America, I mean, and right in your neck of the woods, Ruthie. I'm sure I you wouldn't mind that. And, well, I'd um, be going there every weekend. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be visiting you every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it was only an hour flight down there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then the other reason has to do with contract disputes with Steven Spielberg over the rights to the Roger Rabbit character. Steven Spielberg said, he's mine. Disney said, Disney, a.k.a. Eisner, said, no, he's mine. And a fight ensued and said, well, if I can't have him and you can't have him, then nobody can have him. So it's just that whole thing where, well, if nobody wants to play nice, then nobody can play. (laughs) So that's kind of why Roger Rabbit went away for a while in Disney, because you used to see him all over the parks a lot of the time. But then, for a while, you didn't. Disney never mentioned him, and then only recently they've sort of brought him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Disney had in their contract was with Spielberg and everything that Spielberg couldn't dispute is they had the right to build an attraction based on Roger Rabbit in a Disney park. So that's why Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin went ahead. They were allowed to build one attraction based on Roger Rabbit. 
They weren't allowed to build a whole land. They weren't allowed to have him as a walk-around character anymore, because originally they did, until this all went down. But they were allowed to have one attraction featuring Roger, and they were allowed to use their walk-around character to promote said attraction. But after that attraction died down and everything, they got rid of Roger entirely. So, that's the story behind all of the stuff that happened before Mickey's Toontown happened. Is or everybody that didn't ready happen. to move on? What? Or that didn't happen. Or yeah, that's the story <laughs> about everything that did and didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Disney said the heck with Spielberg. Let's do our own Toontown and just base it on the Disney characters and not Roger Rabbit. Inspired, quote unquote, by the film Roger Rabbit. And that's what they did. And originally, they were going to call it Mickey Land. And now they finally decided they were going to build it where it is today, which is behind, it's a small world, in an area that used to be the horse ranch. The tri, what was it called, Ruthie? Originally, it was called Disneyland's Pony Farm and then Circle D Corral, Circle D Ranch. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Michael Eisner, who is definitely, like, he wanted to put the mermaid from Splash in Splash Mountain. He just what? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like get it when it comes to theming sometimes. So yeah. originally, he wanted to have a Muppet Vision. He wanted to put Muppet Vision 3D in Mickey Land, which what does that have to do with Mickey? And also, he wanted to put a new Little Mermaid attraction, which is basically what we have today. But, you know, which it took 20 years, tw like 30 years yeah. to finally get it. But um, originally he wanted that to be as part part of Mickey Land, a.k.a. Toontown. Can you imagine a Little Mermaid being in Toontown? That would not work. That would not fit no. the theme no. at all. But that was Michael. I but thankfully the Imagineers talked him out of those two initial thoughts. And so what the, the land would become was a more, more cohesive theme. And it was set in like the classic era that we think of of the classic cartoons, kind of the 30s and 40s. And it would have all Disney characters from that era. And in addition to characters from the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is using a little artistic license because these are more modern characters, but the film itself was set in that era of the classic cartoons, the 1940s, so it fits thematically anyway. So, that was uh, the original idea for the land was to have a neighborhood area based on what they had done in Mickey's birthday land, and then have a downtown area based on the settings from the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit's Toontown. And you're looking at some of the concept drawings and they look very close to what they eventually did end up building. The only difference is it says Mickey Land on all the artwork instead of Toontown <laughs> because really this was when they were really finalizing their ideas for what would finally happen. The only thing that really didn't happen in this picture is that moving truck at the bottom. That was originally going to be a fun little design feature located somewhere within Toontown with the piano falling on top of the moving van. 
that never got built. But other than that, everything else in this picture really did eventually happen, which is nice for once. <laughs> <laughs> and here's an overall view of what they plan to do for Toontown, and it's pretty close to what they built. Yep. So I remember seeing this picture in an old pictorial guide. They used to have those little guides that you could buy for like, I don't know, $5. And they were filled with color pictures of Disneyland. You could buy them at the park. And always in the back, they'd show like stuff from Florida and Tokyo. And then they'd have like a coming soon section. And this picture was in there before it was built. So I remember looking at this and drooling over that picture saying, they're really going to build that? Where's it going to go? Because this is pre-internet. You really didn't know much about what was going to happen, you know? Right, pretty yeah. Good. So, um, anyway. Eventually it, it got changed to Toontown, which... Um, they came up with a whole backstory, um, and it was given to the land by the Imagineers to explain its fictional origins. And actually, Toontown is the only land in Disneyland that has sort of a backstory. I guess in the late 80s, early 90s, this was a thing. I know Pleasure Island in Walt Disney World had a whole backstory, too. This was kind of the flavor of the week for Imagineers back then. So, Ruthie, what we we got the quote here from Imagineering. You want to read that and fill everybody in on what the imagined backstory of Mickey's Toontown is? Sure. So, choosing to live away from the hustle and bustle of Hollywood, Mickey Mouse moved to a toon suburb in a hidden part of Anaheim in the 1930s keeping in touch with his humble Midwestern roots. His friends followed suit and built their own houses nearby. When Walt Disney was looking for a location to build Disneyland, Mickey pointed him towards a large orange grove nearby for him to build his park. When the park opened, Mickey and his friends traveled between their Toontown homes and Disneyland to meet the countless guests that visited the park. Eventually, in 1993, Mickey and his fellow Toontown residents decided to open their hometown to the public for visitors, digging a tunnel through the berm. So, the other thing that's not included in here is Mickey said to Walt, you can only build it here if you promise not to tell anybody we're here, and only right. the only human allowed to visit is you. Mm -hmm. So they said Walt Disney was the only who wanted to be cute about it. So Right. Walt Disney was the only exception. Walter Lance wasn't lit in. Max Fleischer. <laughs> just Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was the first entirely brand new land opened in the park since 1972. So they, even though it was 19 years, they rounded it off to uh, the nearest 20 and said that it was 20 years since a brand new land had opened in, a, in Disneyland. And um, the um, area is where they used to launch the fireworks, too. So they, I don't know that they did this in the beginning. I don't think they did, but they probably had a few issues. So now they closed Toontown a little early. 
Or I think what they used to do is they would close it during the fireworks, and then they yeah. would reopen it after. Yeah, they do that when the park hours are longer. Yeah. But like on a normal, like if they close at nine o'clock, they'll just close Toontown and won't reopen it. Right. So, why don't you give a little bit of the details that went into the design of Mickey's uh, Toontown, Ruthie? So, one of the things that the Imagineers were very careful about doing when they designed this land is that they designed everything and there was no right angles in Toontown. And no straight lines. Right. And everything appears cartoonishly swollen or inflatable, you know, obviously right. to appear like you're entering into a toon land. Right. And so they actually had to have like some talks with the contractors because the contractors weren't used to building, you know, structures right. like this because, you know, they're used to lines and angles and and the Imagineers did not design the uh, Toontown that way. So I heard that's that one they, of the things. they had models. Yes. Mm -hmm. Out where the, in the construction zone, so that the construction people, the contractors, could go up to the models and look at them and figure out how to, how yeah. to build them. Yeah, and they weren't used is, to doing it. I think most of the buildings are like a special mixture of concrete and other substances. Mm. They're they're not. The framework is steel. But then they didn't build them out of wood or traditional materials because traditional materials don't make balloon angles right. and things like that. And they used the same technology to build the mountains for Splash Mountain. And mm. you'll notice if you walk up and touch the buildings, it sort of feels the same as the rock work in Splash Mountain to a degree. Mm -hmm. A little less coarse, but they were experimenting with these different concrete techniques at that time and, and doing some really innovative architectural work at that time through these new techniques that they had discovered. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, the uh, land is said to be one of the least changed areas from the, op the day it opened. Um, same could sort of be said for Main Street USA, mm -hmm. but, and, and that's over, you know, 63 years, but for, uh, Toontown has been around for 25 years, and it basically looks exactly the same, maybe yeah. a little weather-worn, as it did on the day it opened. Mm-hmm. So, before Toontown opened, what was really the first Toontown thing? that officially premiered, Ruthie. So in November of 1992, in anticipation of Toontown opening in that January, they rethemed the station and renamed it and the Videopolis train station in Fantasyland back in that back corner, they renamed it Mickey's Toontown Depot and then changed the way it looked to kind of match the Toontown theme. So a little bit more cartoony and colorful. Right. So it was actually never a building before this. It was just an open air area where you stood and waited for the train. And if it was raining, just bring an umbrella. So they actually <laughs> built a structure. And it looks a lot like the original Frontierland station, mm -hmm. only built to look more cartoony with cartoon suitcases and different props. They had a water tower and everything. And 
So this actually, yeah, it opened before the rest of Toontown, and that's actually not located in Toontown. Right. It's, it's adjacent to it, but it's kind of outside the gates of Toontown. So it's not really officially a Toontown attraction. So then just a few months later, Toontown opened. And if you were watching that little video that we played um, a minute ago, you'd notice that Harry Anderson was there, and he said, um, and now you may kiss the city. <laughs> and that was how they opened Toontown. Michael Eisner was there, of course, and Frank Wells. And the uh, Toontown officially opened, and it was an immediate success. So that's the story of the origins of Toontown. So, are you ready to take a tour of Toontown, Ruthie? Yes, let's do it. All right. Be sure to put on your mouse ears before you enter. <laughs> oh, I always have those on. <laughs> <laughs> your mini ears? Yes. So, the entrance to Toontown, as we have mentioned, is underneath the Disneyland Railroad, a special bridge that they built. There's a big sign. And what's funny is they have a um, population count, which is constantly spinning around like a, like a slot machine. And one of the numbers is a question mark. Like, they can't figure <laughs> out how many people are living here. <laughs> so it's, this is sort of your first inclination that this is going to be filled with wacky happenings and gags galore and in fact if you think that you are you are correct sir <laughs> <laughs> so ruthie how yes. is toontown set up it's divided into tell us about that it's divided into specific areas yeah so toontown's divided into three areas so if you're walking in, un, under the bridge in the entrance, to your right is downtown Toontown. Mm -hmm. Then kind of in the middle is Toontown Square. And then right. off to the left is Mickey's Neighborhood where all of the different characters have their own prospective houses. Right. So we're gonna kind of walk through in that order and start with downtown Toontown. And um, that includes several kind of interactive type exhibits for lack of a better word um, mm -hmm. different businesses and um, t uh, different like local facilities that you'd find in an average town like a fire station and a post office and a dog pound <laughs> and a camera yep. shop and a clock shop but these are all these aren't actual these are just kind of you walk through and look at the funny gags that are all involved in these and uh, one of the most popular one of my favorites would probably be the post office because it has the P.O. boxes and if you turn the handle on the different the, the knob on the different P.O. boxes the corresponding character will talk to you like I know there's one for Jessica Rabbit and she says oh I need some big strong male <laughs> <laughs> and then Roger Rabbit says I'm gonna send a love letter to Jessica oh Jessica <laughs> how do I love me love thee let me count the ways 
<laughs> you know, all those yeah. funny things. And Mickey goes, oh boy, welcome to Toontown. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a good Mickey. And then outside the um, the post office is a mailbox, and if you open the lid, it it kind of snaps at you. It says, "Hey, you gotta mail something, or close the lid. It's mm-hmm. drafty in here." You know, I, I I don't know if it says that exactly, but those types of things. And then there's a door to the power company, and if you pull on the door, it, it like it looks like it's gonna electrocute you and it all lights up there's a camera store and if you push a button there's like a camera that snaps like a flash in your eyes just all sorts of wacky little things everywhere it's in fact i i had difficulty setting up this segment because it's like what how do you edit there's so many like little details everywhere in this land yeah that it's hard to like edit stuff out because it's like oh i want to show this i want to show that so others they have the dog pound where that i mentioned earlier you go behind and you can move the bars because they're actually made out of rubber Mm -hmm. so that's a favorite place to take pictures in front of the fireworks factory there's a plunger a tnt plunger and if you push down the plunger like every few times it'll make like the building seemed to explode with fake smoke coming out of it and then some of the times it'll just make weird sound effects like a cow moo or <laughs> things like that and then they have the the gag boxes and if you open the leg it says train parts and you open the lid and it's like like you hear a train going by and then various various laughs and you open it's like so that idea actually originated they had those same type of things at the uh the gift shop based on roger rabbit at disney mgm studios when it first opened that's the first time they used those boxes that you could open and the sound effects would come out so that was a carryover from what they had done in florida and then there is some shopping even though all these shops we just mentioned are not real shops there are two real shops that you can go inside and actually buy something what are those ruthie they are called the gag factory and then toontown five and dime and even though there's two different entrances with different names on the outside it's really just one big store in the Right, it's sort of it's sort of like the Emporium in Disneyland, where mm-hmm. it's all in the same building, but then there's like different sections that are sort of themed differently, but it's all interconnected. So yeah. there's like one room that looks like a cartoon version of like a traditional like department store, and then there the second room looks like a factory, and it's got like this funny these gloves that seem to be moving into this machine. Like holding different objects, you can see a picture of it here in the bottom right corner, and that's called the—I um, forget what that machine's called—but it's like the Acme gag machine or something. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of got two shops in one, and it's basically all the same stuff. It's you know typical Disney souvenir type things, not really specifically based on Toontown, but more just on the characters and you know like mugs and. Pencil sets and (laughs) Mickey ears and plush and t-shirts and all that sort of stuff that you'll find basically at any gift shop in Disneyland. Yeah. The shopping is really not the main um, draw for this area because really 
it's more they more thought of it as an area for the younger set and shopping is more of an adult activity so that wasn't really their main focus when they designed this land but they right. have to have gift shops everywhere in Disneyland so they did include some <laughs> so the next thing we're going to talk about is the Jolly Trolley yeah, the no one, longer, one yeah. of the attractions in downtown Toontown yeah and it actually brings you from downtown to Mickey's Neighborhood. One-way trip. Well, it did. It doesn't yeah. anymore. <laughs> but what's fun about it is it, 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 it moved. Like, it bounced up and down. While you, did you ever ride it, Ruthie? I did. It yes. bounced up and down. But um, it no longer operates. But they do put one of the vehicles out on display. So you're still able to climb on it, sit in it. But it doesn't move anymore. It stopped running. What? When did you say? 2006. They closed yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the my thing th- about this is like the track was open, and you know it just. I can totally see why they closed this because, you know, this land tends to get crowded pretty quickly, yeah. and how do you run the trolley through all of this crowd of people? Yeah, because I remember riding it, and it was just constant starting and stopping and starting and stopping because you had to wait for the people to get out of the way. And the trolley had a bell, and the person driving it would be like, ding, ding, ding. The whole time? Ding, ding, yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, there's so many sound effects going on in this area. People didn't realize that they're standing right in front of a trolley. They just thought it was part of the ambiance of the area. I mean, there literally are... (laughs) bells and whistles everywhere mm-hmm. in this land so yeah. it didn't stand out as a you know as there's a vehicle coming at you mm-hmm. <laughs> right the other problem i think is the way that the chairs faced outward and there was no mm-hmm. railing in front of you i think that was sort of dangerous yeah so you, you could, could just fall step out. off at any time and you could fall out and it bounced right. around too so i always felt a little uneasy about riding on it I yeah. mean, it didn't move very fast and if you fell right. out you weren't going to get that hurt but still i mean that's a lawsuit waiting to happen mm-hmm. so too crowded to run it and not designed well as far as safety so right. that's basically why it closed but it's a shame because it just it added so much to the yeah. area it's such it added this kinetic energy that it mm-hmm. needed and it was just it fit in so perfectly so yeah. it's a shame i mean but the thing is they could bring it back at any time the track is still there they still have the vehicles all i have mm-hmm. to do is fi- tune them up and fire them up yeah but, uh, you know i don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon but who knows yeah, I don't I don't think so, but <laughs> <laughs> So moving to the west, the next area is sort of the town Toontown Square area. And sort of the main feature of this area is sort of a, a food court. There's three uh, counter service locations. Um, Pluto's Doghouse, uh, Daisy's Diner, and what's the other one? Clarabelle's Clarabelle's frozen yogurt. Right, okay. So they serve more than frozen yogurt, though. They serve, you know, yeah. salads and regular, like, mealtime food. But they have a huge seating area outside with colorful, very pretty umbrellas. 
a beautiful gazebo, all cartoony, all wacky, and and um, my favorite is just aesthetically is Pluto's doghouse because I love the hot dog on the top of the building, and I love <laughs> the lamp post out front with the sign on it with a fork. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, just so clever. So. The other feature of this part of Toontown is City Hall. And City Hall has a huge clock on the top. What's it called, Ruthie? The Glockenspiel? Yeah. And whenever the... Um, it's completely random. It's not like every hour on the hour or anything. It's just randomly the clock will go off and it'll make fireworks and sparks will come out and there's little cannons that shoot out fake it's it's permanently it doesn't fly in the air it's just like it's held together things pop out of it and then they go back in when it's done but it mm -hmm. kind of there's bells there's like there's you know five o'clock whistles on it and they all shoot off and then they start playing the mickey mouse club theme and that announces that a character is about to just randomly come out for a meet and greet opportunity and it could be any of the fab five plus chip and dale or daisy and uh, they just randomly come out and stand in that little gazebo and sign autographs and take pictures and give hugs. So I consider that sort of the main draw of this era is eating and just random character interactions. Mm -hmm. So this area, like the downtown area, is full of detail. And yeah. if you walk around and look at some of the signage of the buildings, there's some real tongue-in-cheek humor going on. For example, if you look at the sign for the Toontown School, they misspelled school. <laughs> S-K-O-O-L. And it's like a backwards K. Right. <laughs> and there's a, a planning commission, and they didn't plan for enough space for the word commission. Because <laughs> the I-O-N is squeezed at the end. And then there's a road, like a, 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 a road building, like, you know, to build roads and stuff. And it looks like it's, the, it's falling apart. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they have the third little piggy bank, kind of a reference to the three little pigs. So that's a real fun area to just kind of walk around. In fact, all of Toontown is really just a great place to explore. I think a, a reason why a lot of adults don't really appreciate it is because they don't really understand that there's, a, you know, it, it is an area for kids, but if you take the time to just kind of look around and, and experience your surroundings, there's a lot for adults to really appreciate, too, in this area. Yeah. A lot of jokes that kids won't even understand. Exactly, yeah. You know, so, I mean... So, moving uh, west, we next encounter the bathroom area, which, just like everything in Toontown, the bathrooms are very heavily themed. Yes. Before Tangled bathrooms... <laughs> there was the Goofy's gas station bathrooms, which I think at the time was probably the most heavily themed bathrooms in the Disney parks at that time. So I loved this. Mm -hmm. It looks like a 50s, 40s, 50s gas station. And it's operated by Goofy. <laughs> and the gas tanks I always loved because 
they had bubbling water and cartoon fishes swimming around mm-hmm. in the gas tanks. And then they had like cartoon cars parked out there. And then they had the goofy water. And as you drank your water, it would make different sound effects. Mm-hmm. And at one time, they had different. They would use lights to color the water different colors, but they they shut that down years ago. But it, they still actually have the sign out there that says what the colors of the water represent. But it, that sign should come down because people are going to be like, and I'm sure they are, like, well, why isn't it colored? <laughs> you well, know? it's still a funny sign, though, because, you know, it just lists different types of water. <laughs> right. You know, like liquid water or something like that. Right. And so one thing... I think it's still cute. One thing I love about... <laughs> it's an odd thing to love, but I always really appreciated the, the woman's restroom sign, mm-hmm. which is Jess- <laughs> Jessica Rabbit, like, wearing mm-hmm. pink pink overalls in her mechanic outfit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just thought that was humorous. Yeah. <laughs> so I am a lover of goofy gas. <laughs> <laughs> so the next area we're going to talk about is Mickey's neighborhood, which includes the residential homes of Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, Chip, and Dale. Yes. Did I miss any? Well, it's not a home, but there's one other attraction. That represents well, a gadget. Well, she doesn't live there, though. Yeah. She just did some construction she had there. Put a little bit of a footprint there. Right. <laughs> so let's first talk about Goofy's house. Goofy's house is um, includes a garden area with some funny r- jokes and different props and things. Like there's a spinning clothesline with funny clothes and golf clubs and things hanging from it. There's a goofy scarecrow. There's funny cartoon pumpkins. And one of the pumpkins, which is sort of... Most Disney fans know this one. But for those who don't know, who is that pumpkin in the glasses there, Ruth? It's Jack Lindquist. Who was the president of the chief operating officer of Disneyland for years. And originally he was, I, I don't know if that was his exact title, but basically that's what he was. And he also, before that, was sort of in charge of all publicity for the Disney parks. Like he came up with the idea for grad night, Disney dollars, um, you know, all those like 80s promotions like Blast to the Past. and so, That was all his... State stuff. Fair. State Fair. (laughs) So, now, we had a little difficulty with this part of Toontown, because it has, this is one section of Toontown that has actually changed since it first opened. This outdoor area outside of Goofy's house. Originally, this was always there, but it originally was a little bit smaller, and it did not include what it includes now, which is a playground with uh, a giant watermelon with you can see that little kid in that watermelon there and slides and things like that there was a play area for kids but it was not tied into goofy's house it was a separate area which is sort of exactly where the new area is but it was just called toon park and it was themed to be like a city park 
it wasn't themed as part of Goofy's house. But when they remodeled Goofy's house in, uh, what was it, 2006? Six, yeah. They changed this. They took out the Toon Park and they made it Goofy's garden larger and incorporated that. So Ruthie and I had trouble, like, figuring that out. Because I couldn't find any pictures of Toon Park in, in Disneyland. I found some from Tokyo, but I couldn't find any from Disneyland. And that's why. It no longer exists. It's now part of the Goofy area. There's also a trailer in front, or a, like a camper parked out sort of in front of it. And I remember that being there when it was still Toon Park. And it was themed. It didn't have like the basketball hoop on it and that umbrella and all that weird wood work all over it. It was just a plain trailer at one time. And it was themed to look like Mickey's trailer from the cartoon Mickey's trailer. And it wasn't supposed to be part of the Goofy area. It was just Mickey's trailer, and they served refreshments from there. But when they expanded the Goofy area, they kind of made this into Goofy's camper and added some wacky details to it. So now it's all part of the Goofy area. And it's only open seasonally, that camper, and they serve um, frozen drinks, like, you know, like the icy machines at 7-Eleven, that type of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So, whoo, that's the story of that. It's confusing. (laughs) Speaking of confusing, another attraction that changed. Well, this is kind of goes along with what you were just talking about. It goes along, but it's part of the same idea. But originally, this was only an indoor attraction. And it was was like those blow-up houses that you buy for birthday parties and stuff mm-hmm. only it was a permanent one and it was all inside goofy's house and yeah it was called goofy's bounce house. bounce house and you had yeah. to be like only a certain height and weight could go in you had to take your shoes off and then you could just bounce around if you were like under seven years old yeah two prob two problems with this and i think this is why it closed and was redone differently first of all when you're having a birthday party and there's like 20 kids that's one thing but when you're at a theme park and there's 5,000 kids that's an issue Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah they they would wait in line to do this yeah and they'd wait in line and also it's dangerous right because there's too many people you know they had a limit to how many they'd let in at a time but even still it's just there's and and to get the kids out, get more kids in. It was a bottleneck. And the other issue is the kids were being separated from their parents. Right. Which can lead to problems in a big crowded theme park when you're separating your child from the parent. So I think for those two reasons is why they remodeled it. Now it's, what is it called? Goofy's Playhouse. Right. So a lot of the features from the original are still there on the walls and whatnot, but all the floors have been made into normal floors, and now you just walk around inside and look at things, and there's interactive things. Like, I think there's a piano, and you press the keys, it makes funny sounds, and different things like that. And it's got all sorts of wacky stuff that you would imagine would exist inside Goofy's house. So, But the nice thing about it now is... I can go in there because <laughs> originally yeah. I couldn't go in. I right. had to look at it from the windows 
Yeah, because when was, this opened, both of us were too tall to go I in. I was 20 years old the first mm -hmm. time I went to Toontown, so right. I had, you know. So moving further down, the next house we come across is the Miss Daisy, which is Donald's home. And, he, of course, he lives on a boat. And this has changed, too, because at one time they had netting that you could climb up mm -hmm. to the second. They got rid of that. There's stairs you can go up. There always were the stairs, but you only you only have that option. You used to have both options. Because the netting, again, too dangerous. And, mm -hmm. it's, and I understand that. I mean, I know it's like everybody's sue happy these days, but <laughs> the, I think, really, it is dangerous because you've got, like hundreds of kids running around there's gonna be problems with stuff like that so again this is just a fun little place to go in and see all these funny little details of what you would imagine donald duck's home would be like yeah. you know they've got like pictures of daisy on the wall he's got his wash hanging on the line and it's a sailor <laughs> suit and hat you know there's a there's a like a a horn shaped like his beak and there's a masthead shaped like Daisy Duck and, you know, all just sorts of fun details that any Disney fan would appreciate. So the yeah, next... it's really cute in there. Oh, I'm sorry for... Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No, I mean, just saying that it's really cute in there. I like walking around in there. I mean, I don't hang out there very long, but it's still really yeah. cute to see. And it's got like a nice little waterfall behind it. It's, mm -hmm. it's on a little lake. It's really pretty. Yeah, it's called Toon Lake. <laughs> Toon Lake, of course. Yes. So, the next thing we're going to talk about are really two attractions that I'm not really a fan of. And these are really the only two attractions that more one than the other. Because one, I don't mm -hmm. even really consider an attraction. And I really have no issue with it as it is. But let me explain what I'm saying. So, Gadget is a character for those who don't know who came from the Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Chippendale Rescue Rangers was set in contemporary times. It premiered in 19 late 88 on the Disney Channel as a movie and then it became a series in 89. We talked about it in an earlier episode this year. I love the series, don't get me wrong. I love the character Gadget, don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. Yeah. But this was not the theme of the area because right. Gadget was not a classic character I would have preferred them to do something like they did at Walt Disney World's birthday or when it became Toontown Fair where they themed this roller coaster to Goofy I'd still have mm -hmm. issues which I'm going to explain but I'd have less issues because I yeah. have several issues with this attraction the first issue being it's not the right theme for this area. It clashes with the theme for the rest of the entire land. Mm -hmm. And it's a character that has nothing to do with this theme. So that's my first issue. My second issue is the line for this attraction can be like an hour long. And it's like a 30 second attraction. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. It's like well, it's the line is long because uh, there's only two ch trains basically, and only one can run at a time. Right, there's one in the station and there's one running, and they can only have one on the track at the time because it's such a short track. Right. 
So the line is really long and the ride is really short. So I'm never yeah. a fan of that. And right. it's really nothing to see that you can't see from outside the ride. Like it's one thing if like you go on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and there's things to see. Right. That, that are inside and special effects and things. This is like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but shorter and nothing to see. <laughs> the other problem I have is the fact that this is the first traditional steel roller coaster that looks like a roller coaster ever built in a Disney park. Mm-hmm. And I, from the first time I saw it, I was just angry about it. Because Walt would never have wanted this in his parks. Ever, he built a whole mountain to hide a a roller coaster. He did not want a traditional roller coaster in his park, and it doesn't fit the theme of Toontown to have a roller coaster in it. A small suburban community, whether or not it's a cartoon community, is not does not have a roller coaster in the middle of it. What looks like a roller coaster? I don't care who built it, and if it has clever little oversized things to represent. That gadget put it together using her inventive skills. It still doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Period. End of story. So I've always had a problem with this attraction, and they should get rid of it and put something better in its place. Mm-hmm. Do you have? Oh, Michael Eisner loved putting roller coasters in these parks. Okay. <laughs> this was his gateway drug to do right. that. It was like after this, they put one in 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 Adventureland in Paris, and then it was yeah. You know, now it's just everywhere. Everywhere, anything he built, he had a like a steel roller coaster in it. Yeah, not a fan of that. So, yeah. do you have any other? I mean, no, I completely agree with everything that you said. I mean, yeah. the the character of Gadget is so outdated that the next generation of people don't know who she is. Yeah. I think that's sad, but. Again, like, that's, you know, it doesn't belong here at all. I totally agree. So the other thing that's right next to Gadget, and it sort of ties in because they're all, you know, well, I guess she's a mouse, but they're all rodents, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's the rodent area. Yeah. Well, I guess Mickey's the rodent area, too. They're all rodents. And Minnie, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, this is like the mini, like the actual size of a rodent area. Um, there's also Chippendale's treehouse. Yet another treehouse. Remember how we were talking when we did the Chippendale episode, how they're always moving treehouses? Oh, like, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they never live in the same tree twice. <laughs> you know, I did a little... I, I don't know where I heard this, but I did, just as an aside, I heard that chipmunks actually do that in real life. They have several storage areas all over the place. Huh. They don't put all their stuff in one tree. They mm. kind of scatter it all around in case something happens to one stash they have a backup stash okay so it well, they actually definitely did that. i probably <laughs> disney wasn't like thinking that but it actually works because of no. that but anyway <laughs> that being said originally this was great because it was perfect and i think it was great to do this because it had one of those ball crawl like those ball pits yeah. They used to have a Chuck E. Cheese. Well, I guess they still have them at Chuck E. Cheese. I don't think they... Uh, I don't know if they do, do they? anymore. They got rid of them yeah, there, too? They, they probably did. Yeah, it was a fad in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. to have these ball pits. So these were all, like, round balls, but they were brown, and they were supposed to represent their acorns. 
Jones, right? <laughs> so <Yes>. it was <laughs> it was right next to their treehouse. So the treehouse was actually the entrance into the ball pit. And they actually, it was actually, they had a slide from the treehouse into the ball pit. Mm-hmm. So they closed the ball pit, I think, only maybe after a year after the Toontown opened. I have it 98. Really that late? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. anyway, they, um, now the treehouse is still there, but they just have an empty area where the ball pit used to be. But it's like they still call it an attraction, and they have a sign out in front, and all you do is walk up into this house and walk back down. And walk back re- out, yeah. There's nothing inside of it. Yeah. There's literally nothing interesting. They, I think they have a picture. Right, of, on the wall or something. And I don't even maybe remember. Clarice. What, maybe Clarice. Maybe it's a picture of an acorn. I don't remember what it's a picture <laughs> of. But, and that's basically all there is. And so yeah. it's a pointless. It's pretty from the outside. And it's nice to represent Chip and Dale. But they should just put the door. They should just close the door and just, I don't know have it be just <laughs> just something to look at from the outside there's really no point i know I, th- I think a lot of people go in there expecting to see something and then they come out and they say what the heck was that about yeah <laughs> so rather than have that happen just don't let anybody go in there just leave it i'm glad they represent them i feel they should be represented but i don't know but the issue with the balls <laughs> was really the coloring of the balls <laughs> because there were certain things that would happen that were not as easily detectable because of the coloring of the balls, and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. There was just bad can, things happening with yeah. young children who aren't completely potty trained. That's all I'm going to say. And use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> so eventually that they had they made the wise decision to close the ball pit. So now we're going to skip over kind of our grand finale to the neighborhood and move back around the corner to Minnie's house. The penultimate attraction. (laughs) Well, I think this is just adorable. And it's just a walkthrough with little things to look at and touch and, and experience. Like you can, there's a little computer that you can press the buttons and funny things happen. You can open up the refrigerator in the kitchen and everything inside is cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have cheese flavored ice cream. Yeah, she has yeah. one that's like a big chunk of Gouda and then one that says not so Gouda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit on the furniture, the radio's playing, her phone rings and you hear her answering machine. And then you can turn the dishwasher on, you can turn the oven on and a cake inflates and then deflates and the pots and pans bang around there's a wishing well outside that we throw a penny in or a quarter or whatever and it says something like wishes are special and things like that <laughs> Minnie Mouse says something charming to you um, and it's just an adorable little cute house and it's exactly what you would imagine Minnie's house would be I mean I feel like that would be her house do you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so outside of Mickey and Minnie's house is a big fountain with Mickey standing on top. And this is an interactive fountain because all around it, there's these little, what would you call them? Little medallions on the ground Mm -hmm. on the sidewalk. And if you step on them, 
all those instruments make sounds, and you can step on them, and you hear the horns going, wah, wah, wah. You know, all these funny noises. Yeah, it's it's really fun if you can get a whole bunch of people to all stand on the different ones and have it go all at the same time and kind of play a song. It sounds like you have done this, Ruthie. Yes. You know the the insider tricks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, the main feature of Mickey's Neighborhood, and I would probably say probably the second biggest thing about Toontown, because we'll talk about the biggest thing in a minute, is Mickey's house. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, from the outside and the inside, it's what you would imagine his house would literally look like. You know, it's yellow, and he's into yellow, because that's the color of his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yellow and red, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So when you walk into Mickey's house... You see his living room, the TV's on, and it's playing a Mickey... Car- I, I think it plays the cartoon where he's delivering mail in an airplane. I forget the name of it. Mm-hmm. But that's the one I always would see. There's a piano, that, a player piano, and you mm-hmm. see the scroll and all the little divots in the, in the scroll look like mouse, Mickey Mouse. There are three holes. Yeah. So it looks like Mickey and the, Mouse. And the piano is called a Mouseway piano. Right. It has like a, a, a ship in a bottle and the ship mm-hmm. rocks and it's the, the ship from Steamboat Willie and all these just details everywhere. I mean, you could just sit in there. I mean, you literally, you, the furniture can be, everything can be touched. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. In all these houses, they encourage touching. They built everything so that it could be touched. Um, you know, nothing can break. Everything's glued down. Everything's, you know strong and it's not going to break so i mean occasionally people do stuff and rip things out but you know that's uh not encouraged but touching is encouraged (laughs) (laughs) so then after you go through his living room you walk through his washroom and out into his garden and his garden is actually a set it's indoors and yeah, like a greenhouse kind of a thing. Like a, well, if it's 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 supposed to look like you are outdoors. There is a mm-hmm. greenhouse there that you can also go inside, but then it's supposed to look like you're outside when you're actually inside. But it looks yeah. everything looks very orange. So I mean, it looks like you're in a cartoon world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pluto's doghouse is there, mm-hmm. and then they have the, this row of um, of carrots that a gopher pulls down <laughs> and they have like um then you get closer and you encounter his barn and there's you go in the barn and there's these clucking chickens that move around they go bark, 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 bark. <laughs> and you realize that inside his barn is actually where mickey mouse stores all of his props that he uses in his cartoon movies so you get to see a lot of the things, that, and you might recognize a lot of them from all the different Mickey Mouse shorts that have come out over the years. Um, one thing is that big um, thing that Goofy plays in the cartoon Mickey's Amateurs, where he says, uh, And now Goofy! And Goofy comes out, And is one man band! <laughs> and he comes out and he plays this, remember that? Uh-huh, it's it's yeah. like got every instrument on it. Uh-huh. that you can actually look at a recreation of that in three dimensions. So it's fun to kind of explore all these things that you remember from these shorts. 
And then you kind of wait in this little line, and there's a big movie screen showing different clips from Mickey Mouse shorts playing. And at the end of the line, you get to meet Mickey. So this is a meet and greet opportunity. And Mickey appears on, I think, three different movie sets. Um, all from his classic cartoons. And he wears a corresponding outfit for each of these. One of them is Steamboat Willie. And he wears a Steamboat Willie outfit. The other one is Through the Mirror. Where he wears kind of his traditional tuxedo outfit. And then the other one is the band concert. Where he wears his band uniform. Um, and uh, if you're I've actually met him there when he was wearing his sorcerer's outfit too. Yeah, they have that too. I don't know if they've changed out the mm -hmm. different over the years. I think you're right though. They do have the sorcerer scene too. Mm -hmm. I know they only have three, so they must have changed out different. You know, they must have. They might have gotten rid of the band concert and put the sorcerer because mm -hmm. that's more of a recognized, popular. Right. You know, more mm -hmm. people know about that one. Yeah. So you get to meet Mickey and then you just kind of exit back out through his garage. So it's a whole, the whole thing is basically just the opportunity to meet Mickey with lots of fun things to see along the way. Yeah. Well, the one thing about this that I want to make sure to mention is this is an opportunity to meet Mickey without a whole bunch of people around. And right. there is not a lot of opportunity to have this kind of encounter with Mickey. And he actually spends, you know, a couple of minutes with you. So right. they're not rushing you out the way that they do when you wait in the long lines and stuff like that. In right. other areas you are of the in park. you are in an intimate setting with Mickey You're right. in an isolated room, usually just your party. And if you're a small party, it'll be just your party and one other party. That's yeah. it. You don't you get all the time you want. They don't mm -hmm. rush you. They'll take the pictures for you. They've got the cast member in there. I mean, they have the same thing in Florida at Town Square Theater. It's exactly the same if you're a Disney World person. You just go in and you're in a private room and you get all the time you want with Mickey and, you know. Get to, and the thing about Florida is at one point you could have a conversation with Mickey. He would talk right. to you. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when I talked to him in Florida, I asked him, I said to him, it's been a long time since I've seen you. And he was just like, oh, boy. He didn't, he, <laughs> he didn't have a response to, to what I said. <laughs> he was like, hey, pal. Oh, here, boy. Pal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, pal. Yeah. How's but your this day? This is definitely, this is the <laughs> preferred setting for me if I want to meet Mickey. This is yeah, the way I want to meet him. This is because I feel like it's more of his traditional mm -hmm. place. Like it's like the one in Town Square in Florida. He's dressed like a magician, which has nothing to do with his cartoons, really. I know he was a magician in one of his cartoons, but that's not the outfit he's wearing. So these, like, I, I would love to be in Steamboat Willie with him or, you know in the mm -hmm. Fantasia outfit. I mean, those are the right. things I think of. And right. I feel like it's more traditional. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, the next, probably the, the major attraction for Toontown is Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin. And this was planned from the beginning to open in Toontown, but it was going to open one year after. That's why we're doing it last, because it actually didn't open until January of 94, one year after Toontown opened. However, the exterior 
was completed when Toontown opened. Only the inside of the attraction had not yet been completed. So you were able to see Benny the Cab in the, in the, in the, you know, the window in the top. I guess, I don't know what exactly, crashing through the building. Right. <laughs> and the Roger Rabbit fountain was out in front. That was all there from day one. But then in January of 94, they opened the doors to Roger Rabbit's Toontown, or, what am I saying? Cartoon Roger, Spin. Cartoon Spin. Down on the bottom left of this picture I just brought up, you can see the opening ceremonies of the cartoon spin attraction. Roger Rabbit was there, and there was like a plunger, and he pushed it down. So one thing that they really kind of did for this attraction, which was kind of a new thing they had just started doing in the mid-90s, was having like these really themed queue areas. This carried over again to the Indiana Jones attraction, which opened the following year. But this was kind of the first time Disney really went, like, they did not hold back when it came to the theming and the queue. And this is good because it was always a long wait. But you really, and I don't think it's as long now as it originally was. This used to be one of the longest waits in the park, and this is before they had Fast Pass. So you really didn't mind it because it was like eye candy everywhere you looked in this in this queue I mean, right everywhere it was just heavily themed you, you and you would walk by a lot of the scenes that you remembered from the film and and back in 94 people still remembered the film like people were familiar with all of the stuff that they were seeing i think a lot of the kids today have no idea because they've not seen roger rabbit Mm-hmm. As long as you've seen Roger Rabbit, all of it makes sense. You don't have to be an expert in Roger Rabbit to understand this queue area. But they have like the Weasels Hideout. They have the Ink and Paint Club. They have like a dressing room backstage area of the Ink and Paint Club. You can peek into Baby Herman's apartment and you see him reading the newspaper and smoking a cigar. He's got a pinup calendar. Then you go into the Weasel's hideout and you see where they make the dip, which is the concoction that can terminate tunes. And you hear like a mechanism making the dip and it's like a mm-hmm. weird gurgling mechanical sound. So the queue area is really part of the experience of Roger Rabbit, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. It and, totally immerses you in this world before right. you even get on the ride. Right, and that's why I don't think they should even have a fast pass for this attraction. I mean, really, part of the attraction is the queue. Right. So once you get to the loading area, you get aboard a Benny the Cab, and the fun thing about this attraction is, as the name implies, you're able to turn a wheel and spin your your vehicle around. And they would at one time say it was sort of a combination between the teacups and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I think that's... Mm-hmm pretty apt although they don't spin fast i mean right they spin it's not spinning like the teacups yeah and i don't think you would enjoy this because there's so much to see you'd miss it all yeah you know so i mean you just go through the downtown areas of toontown and into the acme gag factory and they pour dip at you and you go into a china shop and there's a bowl in the china shop and And there's one point where you're supposed to feel like you're going you're falling down Mm -hmm. and there's all these skyscrapers around you and they try to create the illusion that you're falling when you're just 
not you're just going in a straight line and you're you're you know you're parallel to the ground and everything. Mm-hmm. And I actually watched. I just turned on Roger Rabbit. I own it. I turned it on today and I rewatched just the Toontown sequence. Mm-hmm. And I actually noticed that when Eddie is falling. You see those same skyscrapers. Oh, I never that's noticed cool. that before. So they that mm-hmm. actually is taking something from the film. So all these details. It's such a de- detailed dark ride. It's probably what it's it's one of my favorite dark rides ever. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great attraction. So we're almost done. Let's quickly talk about um, Tokyo Disneyland and some of the differences. So Ruthie, tell us like. When did it open and all that stuff? Well, it opened April 15th, 1996 at Tokyo Disneyland. Now, this is not called Mickey's Toontown. It's just called Toontown. Mm-hmm. And the main thing, so it looks very similar to the one at Disneyland in California. It's, but nearly, the main it's difference, nearly identical, except... Yeah, except everything's flip-flopped. So when you enter it, you're going to see... Mickey's neighborhood off to your right and the downtown Toontown to the left. Right. And so that's basically the, the main difference. And you sort of enter in the middle instead of entering at Toontown. You kind of enter where the City Hall area is. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of take a right to go to the downtown. I'm sorry, take a, a left to go to the downtown and then take a right to go to Mickey's neighborhood. Right. So there's other there's one other big difference at the end. There isn't a bridge right. that you enter under because they don't have a railroad there at Tokyo Disneyland. Right. So they it's don't just have a, a, grand a special train. gateway. Yeah. Right. So they just built like a fancy little entrance, you know, mm-hmm. with a sign on it. So the thing is though that this is going to be changing soon. In fact, I think mm-hmm. they've already started working on it. They're getting rid of the current entrance to Toontown and moving it somewhere else. I'm not exactly sure where. So they're going to turn that sign, where that sign is, into a little meet and greet area. Kind of an outdoor gazebo kind of a thing. And they're going to have the entrance to Toontown. I'm not sure where exactly, but it's definitely moving. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they're going to close that opening, it, it must be like... So you're going to end up entering probably through Mickey's neighborhood then because that's where they're building like the new stuff there and then also that whole Beauty and the Beast area. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. That's likely Mm -hmm. where it's going to be. So another big difference is I mentioned Toon Park. Well, it still exists in Japan and it's much bigger than the version that was in California. And it also, the version in California didn't have, you're seeing these colorful, like, pastel-looking animals that kind of tie into the um, Japanese cute culture, mm-hmm. you know? There's, I can see why this would appeal to the Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, definitely um, more colorful than I remember the one. I think the one in California just had like what looked like hedges and they were all green and they looked like they had leaves on them. Mm. Um, so this is bigger and different. And they don't have the goofy themed play area. They still have this other themed area instead. And when they closed their goofy attraction, 
because it also used to be a bounce house. They turned it into kind of an interactive thing where you shoot spray guns at the walls and you can make everything change colors. And it's called the Goofy Paint and Playhouse. Mm. And it's you, there's a picture at the top right of it. You can see the kids pointing it. That's inside Goofy's house now. Oh, that looks fun. So this is a whole different thing than what they have at Disneyland. And then, of course, another major difference is they don't have those flat hills behind the three-dimensional hills. They have the three-dimensional hills, but the flat, cartoon-looking things, they're not there. Because I think the reason they put them in California is because there's industrial buildings behind Toontown, and they put them there to hide everything, keep you in the theme. But I don't think they had that problem in Japan, so they didn't bother. But I think the ironic thing about it is I really prefer those flat mountains behind. I think it adds a little bit more depth to yeah. to the mm -hmm. area. So, And then they have a few extra restaurants, too, and extra places, you know, food stands, food carts and things. And one of them... Is it looks even more like Mickey's trailer, and I think it's supposed to be themed to Mickey's trailer, and it's not themed to Goofy. So there are some minor differences, but for the most part, the lands are pretty much identical. They have the cartoon spin, Mickey's meet and greet, Minnie's house, Donald's boat, all of that. They have all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so they're also going to be adding a new attraction to Tokyo. Um, which is going to open in spring of 2020 as part of the whole Fantasyland expansion that they're doing right now. And this is going to be a new Minnie Mouse-themed meet-and-greet area because she really doesn't have a meet-and-greet area. You can see her in her house, but it's not like she's always there, and it's not like... Like, you can't always meet her like you can always meet Mickey. She's mm -hmm, not in it. Right. So, so this is good that they're setting this up so you have a place where you can always meet Minnie. Because I think that, I, I believe there's a need for that. I think they should put that in California, too. Because mm -hmm. I think is, is, there's as many Minnie fans as there are Mickey fans, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think that's something they should think about adding. So that's the end of our little tour of Toontown. Any final thoughts on Toontown, Ruthie? I love Toontown. It's so much fun. There is so much detail. And I just feel like even though it's been since 1993, this is the type of thing that Imagineers should continue to be building with so much detail and so much character and so much personality just in these buildings. I just love this area. It's so... It fits so perfectly in Disneyland, and I'm so glad that they have it. Well, I feel like they still are doing this because, I mean, Cars Land, you could say the same yeah. thing. Yes. Who knows what Star Wars Land is going to be like. Time will tell, right. but we'll see. But, anyway. but I love, like, the little gags and stuff. I mean, that just puts the, the cherry on top of the Toontown Sunday there. <laughs> <laughs> the exploding cake. Yes, there you go. <laughs> One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. 
right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, boy! Imagination, imagination. A dream can be a dream come true with just that spark in me and you. So we thought we would take this opportunity to do our first session on Jiminy Crickets Live of Armchair Imagineering, which we do plan to make a regular segment on this show. Um, for this uh, session of Armchair Imagineering, we're going to be talking about what we would do to improve Toontown. And this sort of was inspired by the fact that there's going to be a brand new attraction coming to Toontown, supposedly. It's not official yet, but it's all but official. They're going to be adding the same attraction they're building at the Disney Hollywood Studio, Mickey's Runaway Railway. They're going to be adding that same attraction to Mickey's Toontown in Disneyland. And it's going to replace the uh, Acme Warehouse, the Gag Factory, uh, gift shop and be built behind the existing building so they're not taking away any existing attractions they're just adding a new attraction which is what they used to do in the old days they didn't have to take something out to put something in so that I care that's that appeals to me and so the gag factory is kind of located so towards the back of Toontown sort of adjacent like we said earlier to the Toontown Five and Dime so that's kind of the rumored location so I can imagine this building being the entrance to that attraction it would make sense they wouldn't have to retheme it much I think it would work as it is just change the signage and whatnot so because they're going to be adding this new attraction which we've already talked about on previous episodes so we're not really going to get into the new attraction but this was sort of what inspired us to think of what we might want to add or remove and replace whatever the case may be to Toontown other than this in addition to this to make it even better than it's going to be when they add this because I'm excited that they're going to add this oh yeah definitely yeah so Ruthie and I both came up with some fun ideas on attractions we could add to Toontown. So, Ruthie, why don't you go first? Well, one of the things that I love about Toontown is the Roger Rabbit references and the fact that they have the Roger Rabbit cartoon spin and they represent him as a character. And one of the things that I love from the film is the Ink and, Pla- Ink and Paint Club. The Ink and Paint Club? Yeah. <laughs> I love that sequence in the in the film. I love, I mean, it's where you get introduced to Jessica Rabbit. Um, here's um, a picture of the stage from the film, you know. And so I want to build the Ink and Paint Club in Toontown. I want this to be, and this is another reason why I want to build this, is because there's not a lot of food, really good food options in Toontown. It's just some... You know, pizzas, hot dogs, you know, nothing really. Yeah, it's just like grab and go food. And there's no, 
no real reason for you to spend too much time in two town so i want to build the ink and paint club i want to make it a restaurant and um th and this restaurant is going to be a nice high quality high quality food high quality uh experience and there's going to be a couple of things that they offer they're going to offer the um actual character meet and greet um breakfasts and different dining experiences and instead of you're going to be able to meet like the i'm going to call them the elite eight but the other thing that you're going to be able to do is have roger rabbit character experiences meet and greet um you know dining experiences with these roger rabbit characters so um, that's something that I would love to see represented more at the parks. And then um, the other thing that I want to do is kind of, you know, kind of like later in the evening for the adults to have like dinner and a show. So similar to like the, um, you know, when you meet Jessica Rabbit, you know, that's what everybody's doing there. They're watching a show. You see her sing. You see also Donald Duck and Daffy Duck and they're doing their um, piano back and forth. Um, but I want to have, you know, a show that they offer kind of for more like the adult crowd where you can enjoy that in this area as well. So, you know, I would, I would want to have, again, like these, like, a, I think it would be fun to do like a Hollywood, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, kind of like a, you know, Hollywood review kind of a thing. I think that would be really fun and I think it would appeal to a lot of different people. So that was kind of my thought. So um, kind of a dinner show. Yeah. Non-alcoholic. Yes, because we are at Disneyland. And um, so they could have specialty drinks that are non-alcoholic, you know, fun the little things. Theme like that. to the characters, yeah. I was just thinking yeah, exactly. that too. Yeah, and but I really like the whole, like, old Hollywood style. I think that would be so much fun, and I think a lot of people would, would want to go see that. So it's going to be a nice restaurant. It's going to look very similar to the um, movie, to, the, the way the movie has it in there. And what I am going to do is, so here's kind of like a, an image of, this is from the, the attract the queue attraction. So that's yeah. like a, a door. Yeah, and it's that's easy, the it, it would be easy to change this so that you don't have two ink and paint clubs. You could just repaint the sign and call it right. something else. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But even if they don't, that's fine with me too. But, um... The, where I'm going to put this is I'm going to take out Gadget's Go Coaster. <gasps> and kind of, I know, you know, for the oh, reasons that we already mentioned, you know, <laughs> it doesn't fit the land. It doesn't fit the theme. The character is outdated. And I just feel like we need to um, add a little bit of class to um, Toontown. So that's how I'm going to do it. How about you, Chris? Well, speaking of Gadget's Go Coaster, is she that's, go, that, go going? She's going. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly where I'm going to put. I have two ideas. That's exactly where I'm going to put my first idea, and that is going to be, which is already there. So, there is an attraction in one of the parks in Universal Florida that I sort of was thinking about when I thought of this there's a Popeye attraction where you ride around in boats and there's like a big Popeye boat and kind of ride around it and water squirts at you is the attraction at Tokyo Disney Sea 
which is traction and cars land roofy cars land but they're basically all programmed to kind of roam around this lake and then at the end they all kind of move to the loading area and you know and it's all you don't steer the boats yourself they're all pre-programmed so it'd be sort of the same idea only themed to donald duck instead of like this is supposed to be like a jules verne future like the future that never was type area so this is kind of themed a little bit more to donald duck and the thing is that this is not something that i just thought of this is an attraction that has been on the drawing boards before since before disneyland opened you're mm-hmm. looking at a concept drawing of an attraction that was never built that was going to be part of the original Fantasyland called Duck Bumps, and it was going to be bumper boats themed to Donald Duck. And that's <laughs> sort of exactly what I'm thinking of when I think of this attraction. So I feel that that would fit perfectly in the little water area next to um, Donald's boat, and it would just be so much nicer than that ugly roller coaster. I don't know. <laughs> so that's my first idea. My second idea involves Mickey's Movie Barn, which is, we talked about a minute ago, after you go through Mickey's house and into his little garden area, you enter into his barn. And all of that I want to keep the same as it is, basically. And I want to keep the Mickey meet and greet here, but I want to move it. I want to expand this and make it something even grander than it already is. Because what I want to do is when you enter into Mickey's Movie Barn and into the little holding area where the movie screen is, that's all going to stay. But instead of at the end of that line, that's going to be an open holding area for an auditorium. So you're going to wait in that area and every 20 minutes, the theater doors are going to open on your left. Just like with Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And you're, instead of going into the Meet Mickey, now you're going to go in to see a show before you meet Mickey. And it's a big sit-down theater. And this is actually a comeback of an attraction that once existed, but no longer exists. And that would be the Mickey Mouse Review. It would be an updated version of the Mickey Mouse Review, which premiered in Florida in 1971 and was an all-audio animatronic show featuring a gaggle of Disney characters, including Mickey Mouse leading an all-cartoon orchestra. This was not screens. This was not a movie. These were all three-dimensional characters, and that's exactly what I want to bring to Disneyland. I don't want to bring... Um, what's the one in Florida called? Philhar Magic. Mm-hmm. I want to bring an updated version of the Mickey Mouse Review with three-dimensional characters. Here's what it looked like in 1971. And here's another picture of the full Mickey Mouse Orchestra as it appeared in 1971. And then this picture is more of what I would like it to look like in... 2018 and beyond a little bit more modern maybe stick a little bit more to the main characters the shorts characters and less on the the feature characters so basically mickey mouse 
Donald Duck. You know, Morty and Ferdy are in this picture. Goofy. You know, those characters can lead the orchestra instead. And Mickey Mouse conducting the orchestra. Update the look of the characters so it's more of the modern look of the characters. But all audio animatronics. No movies. No 3D glasses. Required. So that's my two armchair imagineering and i have several other ideas for toontown but <laughs> the evening is getting late so it's time yes. to close out the show <laughs> <laughs> so i hope everybody enjoyed our show which came in about 30 minutes shorter than our last one <laughs> went a little longer than we had planned but We'll try to tame it down as <laughs> best we, we can. We just talk about some fun stuff. You know, it's we, hard to, like, keep it in. And there's so much to say. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ruthie, you want to give everybody our contact information? Sure. You can find all of our past shows, including audio versions of Jiminy Crickets Live, on our website, jcricketpodcast.blogspot.com You can also listen to us on iTunes under the name Jiminy Crickets, that's with an exclamation point, and be sure to leave us a five-star review. On our YouTube channel, we share updates to the Disney Chris website, including the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, as well as past episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast and Jiminy Crickets Live. You can find our channel if you search for DisneyChris.com. And remember, .com is spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. You can also join in the conversation over on our Facebook page, Jiminy Crickets Podcast, where you can not only interact with Chris and me and all the fellow cricketeers, but you can also stay up to date on the latest details of our many worldwide web endeavors. If you would like to contact the show with any comments or questions, our email address is DisneyChris, D-O-T-C-O-M, at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at DisneyChris73. You can find both Ruthie and I on Facebook. Just look for Ruthie Brown or Chris Linden. That's spelled L-Y-N-D-O-N, as in Lyndon Johnson. You can also check out my website, which is DisneyChris.com, home to the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour with over 1,600 audio tracks from Disneyland, the original Magic Kingdom. Patreon, uh, if you are interested in supporting our worldwide web endeavors, as aforementioned by Ruthie, um, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash DisneyChris. That supports both what we do here on our live show and our regular show, as well as my website, DisneyChris.com. If you are not comfortable with Patreon, we do have other donation options. You can make a one-time donation via PayPal or recurring donations via PayPal. (laughs) (laughs) And to do that, just go to my website, which is DisneyChris.com and go to the um, page where uh, you'll find at the top of the table of contents, it'll say donate or just enter the URL DisneyChris.com slash donate.html and it'll give you links to all of the donation options. And any amount helps if you want to pledge a dollar a month that's wonderful 
because if 10 people pledge a dollar a month, that's $10, and that's great. So you, all donations are accepted and appreciated, big and small. And for those who donate, we offer free uh, exclusive audio content every month as a thank you. So, Ruthie, I forgot to mention one thing when we were talking about uh, the my version of the Mickey Mouse review is that when you leave the stage show, that's when you would meet Mickey at the end. And right. if you don't want to meet Mickey, just like now, you're given the option, you, you can just go, you can exit, or mm-hmm. you can stand in line after the show and meet Mickey at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And so he'll, his meeting area will be moved to accommodate the new theater, but he'll still be there and he'll still be part of the experience. So I just wanted to mention that. So nobody thinks I'm trying to vacate Mickey. I certainly, <laughs> You're evicting I certainly, him. <laughs> I certainly would not want to get rid of that. That's no. one of the best things about Toontown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ruthie, do you have any final words for this week? Well, as we learned the backstory for Toontown, now we really do know it really did. Everything started with the mouse. Right. And a house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And always let your conscience be your guide. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. See you real soon. Why? Because we like you. Emily.